Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. I don't know if you remember, uh, I'm pretty sure the kids here in front won't remember, but there was a fellow by the name of Paul Harvey. And Paul Harvey's, uh, has, has, well, he's a late Paul Harvey, but his famous line was always, and now, the rest of the story. And he would always tell you the rest of the story. He'd tell you, he'd get you hooked up a little bit, and these kids are looking at me like, who's Paul Harvey? Don't worry about it, it's okay. But Matthew 16, 21 through 28, as a matter of fact, is the rest of the story. It's the rest of the story. It actually is a continuation from last week. Now, do you remember what we learned last week? You go, what's that? Well, the gang, the disciples are up at Caesarea Philippi. It's a beautiful place. Tammy, you remember Caesarea? A beautiful place. The problem is, is that the gates of hell are there, if you will. They call it the gates of Hades. And this huge, just, um, just blackened cave that the the water came up from from the river jordan well he jesus takes the gang up there and this is where peter actually acknowledges publicly that jesus is the son of god this was an amazing and wonderful place and and it's so cool because peter actually was come on church tuned in to the Father, he was tuned in. He, he, he wasn't hearing distorted messages. Oh, that's the Lord, that's the Lord. You go, how so? Well, labor with me for just a second. Look at chapter 16, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, but who do you say that I am? Very personal. And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Christos is what it is. The Meshach, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. What an amazing thing. I don't know about you, but if I was Peter, my shoulders might go back a little bit and be like, I hear from God. I hear, I hear God. It's great. God still speaks to us today. He does. And, And Simon Peter's going, Did you get that, fellas? Did you get that? God speaks to me, our Father. Well, now, the rest of the story. Well, what's the rest of the story? Well, today, Jesus is going to tell his disciples that he has to go to Jerusalem and complete his God-given mission to save the world. How so? By dying on the cross. That's what he needs to do. Now, to understand exactly what Jesus was trying to tell his disciples, we have to take a brief look of what is called the crucifixion. The crucifixion. It's very, very, very important. How so? Well, let me give you some background. Crucifixion at the time was a method of capital punishment. That's what it was. If you were found guilty, and you were found guilty to die on the cross, guys, this was not a fun thing to do. It starts off by trying to, I don't know, show the world just how serious Rome and other people were. They would take something called a cat of nine tails, 
okay? It looks like a big whip. And on the end of that would be glass and bone. And they would whip the victim 40 lashes. Hopefully, you would die at that point. Because what would happen as the bone and the glass would rip across your flesh, everything in your back would be shredded. Then, what would happen is that you would be tied to a wooden beam. Why would you be tied? Because oftentimes, being nailed alone, it would not hold it up. Okay? It would, you would, and so you would take this wooden beam and then you would be left and what would happen is that you would be hung on a cross, on a cross beam, okay? And eventually the hopes were, well, if you didn't die from the whipping, you would die from asphyxiation or basically exhaustion. you just die. They would make sure that this cross, guys, was very, very public and very humiliating. They would make sure that everyone on the, on the largest, I mean, the largest crossroads of people walking, that's where you were. And the message was really simple. Don't mess with Rome. Don't, me- don't go against what the government is doing. Or else, this would happen to you. In some cases, crucifixion, the victim would be stripped naked so that they could even be more humiliated as they died on the cross. Now, some commentators believe that in some areas that Jesus was naked on the cross. Others say, no, he was down to what we would call his undergarments. But nonetheless, this is what they would do. They would do this. This is cruc- This is crucifixion. Some crucifixions, guys, you would see, would people would die within hours. I mean, it was so it was so brutal. Okay, they would die, and and here's what blows my mind: some within days, some within days. Now, could you imagine, there you are, your arms tied, your arms nailed to the cross, your back just shredded, blood flow gone, and you're going, okay, I welcome death, I welcome death, I welcome death, but you can't die. You're not able to die. Crucifixion in Jesus' day was that awful use of punishment by the Romans, among others. As a matter of fact, you can jot this down just to have knowledge a little bit of it. The term excruciating was derived from the people on the cross. So when you go, how's your pain? It's excruciating. Then what you're saying is it's the same level of you on the cross. And that's where they got that term, excruciating, excruciating. It came directly from being crucified. You guys with me? So my Jesus, my Jesus, doing nothing wrong, is going to be crucified. He's going to take, not 40, but 39 lashes. His flesh is going to be ripped off from his body. Isaiah tells us that when he was on the cross, he was unrecognizable. 
So you would look at him and go, I don't know who that is. That's why the Romans put Jesus, king of the Jews. I mean, he, can you imagine? He was so beaten, so bad that he was unrecognizable. And you guys know the rest of the story. He died on that cross. But the good news is that he resurrected. Because he is God. Now, let me take you back to Caesarea Philippi. Jesus looks at his gang and he looks at us and he says, Hey, by the way, um, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. That's what he tells the boys. Take up your cross. Now, again, it's not only the boys, because Mark tells us that there's a crowd there. So he's looking, he says, okay. He wasn't Texan, but I'll use the Texan. Y'all, take up your cross and follow me. And follow me. It's, guys, this is gonna, this is gonna cut deep. Why? Because, because he, here's the thing. We have to compare what Jesus said to the truth of the crucifixion. You understand that? When Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me, let me tell you what it's not. Okay? Because we've taken that term and we've sort of, we've sort of patted it really well. You go, what do you mean? Well, when he says, take up your cross, let me tell you what it's not. It's not that burdensome job or career that you have. How's your job? Well, take up my cross every day. And, and we use it that way, don't we? We use it like, oh, it's that job. I don't like that job. We'll change the job. I can't. Why? That's my cross to bear. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not your mother-in-law. Okay? Oh, I love my wife, but my mother-in-law, that's the cross I got to bear. She's a burden. It's not your mother-in-law. It's not your father-in-law. Okay? And a lot of people will use that. Well, that's my cross. You don't understand her. It's not your boss. Well, you don't know my boss. No, I don't know your boss, but that's not your cross. That's not what he's talking about. Nor is he talking about a coworker. Everybody ever have that coworker? You're like, I have that coworker. That's really sad if you work with your family because then you're like, ugh, she's right here. It's not the clerk at Walmart. <laughs> you know, the one that you avoid and you happen to find is like, oh, that's the one. And let me say this to you. It's not your wife. It's not your husband. It's not those kids. Oh, those kids are my cross. They're going to be the death of me. It's not your relatives. It's not any of that. You go, well, what is it then? Like, like, what is the meaning of my cross to bear in America? Well, to some, let's be honest, when you say, what is your cross? What is, pick up your cross and follow me. Well, a lot of people would raise their hand and it says it means coming to church. It means coming to church. It means living for Jesus. It means, it means fellowshipping. It means I give. Not only of my time and my talents, but my money. But it also means serving. Serving. Now, these are all great things. You understand? These are all great things. Of course I want you to come to church. Of course I want you to walk with Jesus. Of course I want you to fellowship and give and serve. That's the body of Christ. But taking up your cross, taking up your cross is much, much more. Much, much more. So, 
let me give you some background so you fully understand what Jesus is talking about, okay? You go, well, like, now, again, we meet up with our boy Peter. He's up in Caesarea Philippi. He publicly acknowledges Jesus. Jesus, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the son of David. Oh, my goodness. That's, that's, that's it. Now, keep this in mind. You go, why? Because it gives us some insight as to why Peter will pull Jesus aside later and rebuke him. This is going to give us some insight. You go, okay, I'm with you, I'm with you. What was happening? The rabbis of the day, the rabbis of the day, everybody remember them? They were the scribes, the Pharisees, but these are the rabbis. The rabbis would be teaching, and they would often teach that, that the Messiah, when he came, would not have to suffer and die. Well, when the Messiah comes, what's he going to do? He's going to destroy Rome. He's going to go to Jerusalem. He's going to destroy Rome. And he's going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Everybody got that? You go, yeah, that's what they would teach. So understand, Peter, growing up, heard that. Now, Peter wasn't in the in, in the rabbi line. He was a fisherman, but he would hear the stories. You guys know, just like you. You hear the different stories. And so, again, here's what they would do. Oh, okay, when the Messiah comes, yeah, he's going to rule and reign. Oh, that's going to be so great. That's going to be so great. You got to pay your taxes? Got to pay my taxes. Oh, I can't wait till Rome. Rome's charging me more taxes. We can't wait till the Messiah comes and he's going to rule and reign. I just can't wait. I can't wait, okay. They taught no such thing as a suffering Messiah, but one that would take over the world. Now, let me give you a side note, okay? This will happen, this will happen, and we're getting close to that. We're going to get close, but it wasn't happening back in Peter's day. Now, it's coming where the Lord is going to rule and reign from Jerusalem. Okay, let me give you a timeline. Here you are. We're here 2022. Next thing you know, don't know when it's going to happen, but we're going to hear a trumpet sound and we're going to be gone. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to go and we're going to have a party for seven years. Okay, it's going to be it's going to be the marriage supper of land. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. I can't. I'm so excited. It's going to be so cool. And we're going to just fill it. Woo, seven years. Now, what's happening during the earth at that time is all hell is breaking loose on earth. Now, I hope we don't get to see it. I know some people allude to the tribulation saints are looking down and saying, God, when are you going to? But I hope we don't. I don't want to see what's going to happen. We have labored all our lives to make sure that people come into the kingdom. We've labored. We've worked hard. We want to tell. I don't want to see. I'm just going to enjoy y'all at the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we'll have so much food that you won't have to eat my steak. Nor will I have to eat yours. After that is the Battle of Armageddon, where the Lord will then come. Boom, ding, over with, and then we will reign. He will reign, set up his kingdom, where? Jerusalem for a thousand years. So he's going to rule and reign. And there's going to be such a forced righteousness. You and I, oh, I can't even, I don't even have time to tell you what kind of bodies we're going to have. Glorified, wonderful bodies that can walk through walls and I don't know, all kinds of, and, and we can eat, check out our glorified body, we can eat 
but it's just for pleasure. It's not to sustain our lives. It's just like we could eat. So I love that because those of you who love coffee, we could drink coffee all day long and the caffeine won't bother us. Some of you can't drink coffee past three because you'll be up all night. That means I'm getting old. I used to drink coffee at night and it put me to sleep. Now I'd be like, right? I'm excited that in heaven, we, in our glorified body, we'll be able to drink. Anyways, so here's the point. Jesus is going to do it, but he's not doing it in, 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 in Peter's day. He's not doing it in Peter's day. But back in our text, Peter, he just received the keys to the kingdom. Do you guys remember that? Peter, this is awesome, and here's the keys to the kingdom, which means we have authority in Jesus' name. Now, here's what I want you to see. What it doesn't mean, church, look at me, this is important. What it doesn't mean, the keys to the kingdom, doesn't mean that we will escape last day's persecution and suffering. Your attention, please. We're not going to go through the tribulation and the great tribulation. I believe we're going to be harpazoed out of here. But before that, we may go through some suffering and persecution. As a matter of fact, I think it was last week, Haas uh, sent me an article where they're already looking at preachers preaching the Bible as hate speech. Already, in some areas. And, the be- and this is the beginning and I text back to us, I guess, I, I've always said this, and, and I'm, I'm brave now when I'm standing here, but I said, well, I guess I'll start a jail ministry. Well, it's easy to say that here, but think about it. Preaching the Bible could be a crime in our country. Church, listen, they could take this away from us. The written word. It's important to hide your word, hide the word of God in your heart. Because that might be the only Bible study you ever have. Is from what you remember and what you've memorized. So Peter received the kingdom and there's going to be some last days persecution. When I think about Peter and I think about persecution and I think about the last days, here's what I need to do. I need to remind you, I I think we need to have a new mindset as we approach the final days. Now you're looking at me going, Ben, we've been, what do you mean the last days? Well, we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. But this is the last, 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 last days. The way I put it like this, if this is overtime and we've got 1.2 seconds left in overtime, we're, we're right there. We're right there. Hey, let me ask you a question. If I were to tell you, and and this is not um, this is not prophetic. This is just Ben. You with me? If I were to tell you that the Lord was going to come back in 2022, sometime this year, what does your heart say? There you go. Because I've had and I've been rebuked. Now, I never, I never said a day or an hour, this is going to happen this day. I just said, I, I think the Lord's going to come back in 2022. And I got rebuked because, well, no one knows the day or the hour. And I just wondered, what's in your heart? There's a couple of things that could happen. This isn't in my text. This is free. So this is all for you. You're afraid to die because you're unsure of your salvation. And so you're like, please, Lord, don't come. Don't come. Don't come. I want to make sure. Don't come. 
or, or you're not in tune spiritually with what's going on in the world. You go, Ben, what if he doesn't come in 23? I'm not here to tell you when he's coming and when he's not coming. Here's what I'm here to tell you. He's coming. Amen. He's coming. Just be ready. Be ready. That's, that's what I'm here to tell you. But we have to have a different mindset in these last days, church. Listen, the Bible says that there's going to be a falling away. Do you guys ever hear that? In the last days, a falling away. Now, since we're a Bible teaching church, I need to give you two schools of thought, okay? The first school of thought, if you look at commentators, most commentators believe a falling away means that people will depart from the faith as life gets harder and harder and harder. They will walk away from God. You've you've heard that, right? They're going to walk away from God. This past week, I was looking at a friend's... Okay, let me just back up. Um, Because I preach at a lot of places, a lot of people will friend me on Facebook. Now, I don't know them personally, like interaction, but we're we're friends. Everybody, you guys have friends like that, right? you, You have an acquaintance. Well, there was somebody that friended me, and I saw her post, and basically, life has been super hard to her that... On Facebook, she publicly said she's turning her back on God. And I understand, church, I understand frustration. I understand when you're hurt so bad. And I understand when, when life, it feels, like, it feels like that wave coming over you and you get up and you're just a little groggy, but then another one comes and you go and another one comes and another one comes and, and you're going, enough! I get that. But I think that there are going to be a lot of people who actually turn and walk away from God as life gets harder and harder. You go, why? Well, it's biblical. In John chapter 6, verse 66, do you guys remember what happened? Okay. You go, what happened? The group of people were following Jesus, and they were following him for what they could get, the food. And when he stopped doing that, they go, the Bible says they turned and walked no more. They, they left him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for just a second? Hey, Jesus. Hey, uh, lunch today? No? Sweetie, we're not having lunch today. He's not doing that anymore. You want to go home? Well, honey, I thought we were going to follow him because he's the Messiah. Yeah, let's go home. And they walk away from God and and I think there's going to be a lot of people in the last days as it gets harder, as you guys see inflation rise, as you see the gas prices rise, as you see the, the food and all of that happen. It's going to be discouraging. Don't turn your back on God. But the second school of thought, the second school of thought is if you look at the word, the word is apostia, apostia. And this is translated, it means departure. So it says this, let no one deceive you by any means, for the day of the Lord will not come unless the apostia or the departure comes. And so another school is going, no, 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 that's not, it's not talking about, it's not talking about a falling away of Christian, Christians, it's talking about a departure, which is uh, linked to the rapture of the church. The day of the Lord is not going to come until the rapture of the church. Now, why do I tell you this? Because guys, Contextually here, contextually, we see that that's what Paul has been talking about. 
So I have to give you both schools of thought. You go, well, which one is it? I think it's a little both. I think you're going to see some Christians go, meh, meh. Life's so hard. Here's what we got to be careful on, guys. Here's what we got to be careful on. We have to be. Oh, it's gonna. It's just gonna tie in. It's gonna tie in so much to what what, what Peter's gonna go through. We have to be so careful that we're hearing the voice of God in these last days. We have to know. We have to know. And why do you say that? Because I think if we don't under if we misunderstand who God is and we misunderstand why Jesus came and we don't understand that we are going to suffer and we don't understand that these are things in our lives, then what happens is that we think that God is this great genie in the sky and that if we just ask him for stuff, he just gives us stuff and, and everything's super well and, and it's wonderful and we're and we're all happy and rainbows and butterflies and, and the moment suffering comes or the moment a tribulation comes or the moment we Whoa, I didn't, you know, oh. It's really easy to misunderstand the Lord. We have to go back to the Word. And I'll tell you why here in just a second, okay? So again, a new mindset, a new mindset, okay? Um, based upon what I see in the world today, and if that's the case, if you and I are going to suffer and there's going to be some struggle and there's going to be, um, you know, all of this, you go, well, like what? Well, I mean, I got a couple of questions for us. And you go, what's that? You have to ask ourselves, we have to ask ourselves this question. You ready? What level of persecution will it take to keep you from coming to church? What level of persecution will it take to keep you from coming to church? You go, what else? The second question we need to ask is, what level of suffering will it take for you to walk away from Jesus? Very interesting questions that we've got to ask ourselves. Because if we are going to be persecuted, if there are going to be some suffering in these last days, I think it's important as a body that we're aware of that. Now, I don't want to suffer. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to go through this, but I want to know, Lord, what's my commitment to you if things go this way? What's my commitment to you? The exhortation to both you and I is that we have to have a new mindset. You go, what's the mindset? That today we purpose to follow Jesus with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul, with everything that's in us, even in the midst of persecution and suffering. We're going to follow Jesus, listen, even when things are not going our way. Why, Ben? Because time is short. And you and I have to see that we've entered the last, last, last day's war. Spiritually speaking, we're, we're, we're in it. We're in it. So you've got crucifixion. You know what it's at. You know what's happening. Now let's jump into our text, okay? Just a few verses, but look at with me in verse 21 of chapter 16. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes 
and be killed and be raised the third day. Now, if you're an underliner, I need you to underline something here. You go, what's that? I want you to know, well, first let's note in your Bibles, this is where things changed. This is where things changed. You go, what do you mean? Well, we go from fun church, if you will, fun church, following Jesus, um, eating, watching him do miracles. This was amazing. This is fun church. This is great. And we've now entered to a time where, where again, Jesus just mentioned the cross. He just mentioned the cross. So Matthew, under the power of the Holy Spirit, says, oh, and here's what you need to underline. This, um, basically, from that time, right there, underline that, this is where it changed. Up until that point, we're having a good time with the Lord. We're walking. See, for the first 16 chapters, I'm asking you guys to become fully devoted followers of God. Follow him. Let's be disciples. Now he turns and he looks at it. He goes, from that time, what's that, Lord? He says, um, this is going to be where the suffering of Christ will begin. Pay close attention to what Jesus said. He says to the guys, he says to you and I, I'm going to Jerusalem. What do you think his disciples did at this point? Yes! They're excited. They're excited. Why? Because they're based on what the rabbis thought. We're going to, this is it. This is it, Sharif. This is it. We're going. Why? We're going to rule the world. We're going to, you understand, but let me connect something, okay? You understand that's why James and John's mom came and said, hey, my boys want to be on your right and on your left. They're, they're thinking the mindset of, of rule and reign. When, what does he say? When you came into your kingdom, I want my boys on your right. He goes, are they able to what? Drink the cup. He says they will, but, but okay. So the disciples are like, woo, going to Jerusalem. We're going to take over the world. This is good. This is good. And then Jesus says something that sounds like a scratched record. Now, the kids here have no idea what a scratched record is. They're all digital. They don't have, you guys remember a record where you scratch it? Now, they do a little bit when it's like, but it's a whole other story. Jesus just said they're going to, he, that he was going to suffer many things. I'm going to Jerusalem, yay! And we're going to suffer many, going to suffer many things. And he's like, well, they're going, wait, 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 what? What? Now, if you've ever been part of a large group, you don't really go to Jesus himself, but you would go to one of the other disciples and go, what did he say? Did you hear what he said? <laughs> did you catch that? He's like, yeah. Oh, but it gets, but there's more to the story because Jesus says, oh, by the way, I'm going to be killed there. I'm going to be killed by those who were supposed to love me. Now, at this point, I can't tell you if it, they did or they didn't, but he says, I'm going to be raised from the dead, but I don't know if they heard that. I think the shock value of, wait, we're supposed to rule and reign, and you're going to suffer. If you suffer, we're going to suffer. If they kill you, they're going to kill us. How do you know that? I don't think they heard that he was raised from the dead, and I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that, that when the disciples got together, they were inside a room and the door was locked. They were scared. And that's when Jesus walks in. He's like, hey, peace. How's it going, guys? 
So I know something's going down here. But we must take heart to what Jesus said. Now listen to me. Listen. It's not what the disciples wanted to hear. Can I get an amen? Amen. I want to say it again. It's not what the disciples wanted to hear. So what does Peter do? Look at verse 22. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. (laughs) Now, the first thing that jumps out, guys, that you from the text is Peter takes Jesus away from the rest of the disciples. Okay? Why is that important? Because I don't think Peter's grandstanding here. Okay? I don't think Peter's like, hey, do you remember up in Caesarea Philippi? God spoke to me, Lord. He's speaking again. Come here. He, he's taking him aside. He's taking him aside. But I believe that Peter's confused. How so? The original text, if you'll read it, means this is a strong rebuke. It wasn't like, no, Lord, I, wait, 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 explain this. This was like, no, Peter's rebuking Jesus. Peter's rebuking Jesus. Far be it from you. No way this is going to happen. Why? Because Peter thinks he's supposed to take over the world. We're taking over the world. Verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. Why? Because just a few minutes ago, Peter was being praised for hearing the voice of God. And now the Lord turns and he's being rebuked for what? For hearing the voice of Satan. This is trippy. Now, we have to do some work because you you won't understand what's going on here. Here's what I want you to see. First and foremost, Jesus doesn't call... Peter Satan, okay? <laughs> You're Satan. He said, he's, he's saying, get behind me, Satan. Okay, so he's not calling Peter Satan. Everybody got that. But he rebukes Satan for using Peter as a mouthpiece. Satan, guys, was not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You realize the second note here, the second thing is, is, is this is the same rebuke that Jesus gave Satan when he was tempted in the wilderness, when Satan told Jesus this, what did he say? Remember, Satan looked at him and he said, bow down to me and I will give you all the kingdom. In other words, don't go to the cross, Lord. He didn't call him Lord, but he said, Jesus, don't go to the cross because if you just bow down to me, these will all be yours. And that was in the wilderness. And if you recall, guys, This is what Satan, look what he's saying. This is what Satan, through Peter, is saying once again. No, 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 no. Go to, don't go to the cross. Go to Jerusalem. Hey, it's time to rule the world. In other words, here's what he's saying. Now, I have to be careful, okay? Because I was, I was talking earlier to Mike and I said, I got it. I just got to be careful. So, because, because he's saying, Hey, Jesus, you don't need to do it that way. You don't have to go through the cross. You don't have to suffer. Let's take the easy way out. Let's take the easy way. And and listen, what the response of Jesus was, is this. That's the voice of Satan. That's the voice of Satan. How do you know? Well, the first thing I know is God doesn't want us to suffer, okay? God's not going, okay, that's it. You just, you've been following me. You're going to suffer, 
But I think there's going to be a time when we're called to suffer for God, and it's for the Lord's sake, and I pray that we're ready under the power of the Holy Spirit that we stand strong. I don't think Christianity moving forward, church, is is going to be an easy thing. You want to see real growth in the body of Christ? Watch the persecution. Watch the persecution. Now, I want you to put on your thinking caps. I want you to think about something. I really want you to think about this. Peter went... Love you, Pete. Peter went from hearing God's voice and the promise of the keys of the kingdom to actually being a mouthpiece for the enemy. And so I have to go, okay, how does this happen? How did he go from, Lord, you're the Messiah, you're the Son of God, to, no, Lord, may it never be. Don't go and save. Don't die on the cross. Don't suffer. Don't, don't do this. Well, here's why. Sometimes, church, listen, Peter had something that he really, really wanted and desired, and it was opposite from what God had desired. Think about Peter for just a minute. He had been taught that the Messiah was going to rule in Jerusalem, he's going to rule the world, and those who were his followers would rule with him. Peter had that in his heart. Peter wanted to go to Jerusalem and rule and reign with Christ. Well, that was different. That was a different road than what Jesus just told him. And if we were to look into Peter's rebuke, we would discover that what Peter desired was louder than what Jesus actually said. You guys tracking with me? Now, I know, and I have to be careful because some expositors would say, well, that's not what the text says. I understand that, but I want you to see in the context what Peter was facing through through growing up. But again, think about what it teaches us. You go, what's that? Every true believer, I believe at times, confuses the voice of God even with the path of Satan. There are many times in my life when I go, God, you sound a lot like me. Because I'm thinking he's wanting to do a certain thing, and that really isn't the voice of God. You go, okay, explain. Well, here's the thing. With all of our hearts, I know that God speaks to us. Amen? God speaks to us. Now, let me tell you this. There are times when God is speaking to us, but we can't tune in because we have other voices speaking to us. And it could be the world, it could be worldly voices, it could be our own flesh, or it could be the voice of Satan. Those are the voices we have to be so careful. You go, what do you mean? Well, think about this. Let me give you some examples of where um, I believe that people were hearing the voice of Satan versus the voice of God. You go, well, like what? Well, over my many years of ministry, I have actually heard people that will come and say God told them to divorce their spouse and marry somebody else. Well, is that, uh, was there, was there adultery? No, no. Well, is it good? Everything was good. Well, why would you say that? Well, she just loves Jesus more and I, I like her. I think, I think God told me that's not God's voice, is it? It's not God's voice. 
Let me give you another example. And this is a, this is a personal example that happened to me, your pastor personally. I had a woman in the church many years ago come to me. She was living with her boyfriend. And when I mean living, you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. All the benefits of being married, but not married. And when we, and I say confronted, that's not the right word, but when we uh, talked to her about it, she literally said that her and God had a special arrangement. So she told me, oh, no, 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 no. I have a special arrangement that, uh, which allowed me to live and sleep with her boyfriend apart from the word of God. Uh, That's not the voice of God. That's not the voice of God. And I think we need to be mindful, looking at Peter's life, when God speaks to his people and he speaks to you and me, we also discover so does the enemy. When you go, oh, here we go. So the question is, is how do we know if it's the voice of God? Okay, we'll jot this down. Number one, God's word will never contradict God's word. That's how you know it's the voice of God. It never will contradict his word. God told me I need to jump off the building and fly. No, show me where it is in the word. Knowing God's voice, listen to me, it will always line up with his word and his spirit. That's so, so important. The problem is, like Peter, we have something in our heart that we desire so much that we convince ourselves it's God's word and it's not. Because it doesn't line up. Oh, I want to go to, oh, I want to go to Israel. I want to go, I want to go and I want to rule and reign. Uh, Pete, come here, bro. We're, I'm, I'm about to suffer and die on the cross and be raised the third day. Oh, no, 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 no. You're messing up my plans, Jesus. Do we not do that as well? I think it's a great lesson, and I think we need to be very careful. You go, well, Ben, sometimes I am confused in hearing the voice of God and hearing and, and, and hearing even my own voice or the voice of Satan. What should I do? Well, then it's really, really important, guys. Then we need to go back, and we need to look for it in the Word of God. We need to be in prayer. We need to ask. That's what the shepherds are here for you. Oh, I'm not going to ask Pastor Ben because he'll just tell me no. That's listen, we come with the shepherd. Hey, listen, this is what I feel like God is doing. Would you would you pray and, and help me confirm this? Well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that this is this is not right. You you're not supposed to do this. What do they say? Well, I'm not going to this church and Pastor Brooks. No, we should come with it. Okay, Lord, show me all that you want, Lord. Lord. Here's the thing. Peter rebukes Jesus. It's like, no, that's never going to happen to you. Here's the difference. Jesus just told Peter what he was going to do. This is the word of God. It wasn't like, um, huh, I'm not sure. Hmm. But here's what I love. A lot of times we put our own little flair to it, but I think Jesus lovingly rebuked Peter. You get behind me, Satan. Why? Because I'm looking far into the future, and 
And I've got to go to the cross and I've got to suffer because there's a, there's a lady named Melanie that she needs saving. There's a lady named Mary. She needs Jesus. I'm, and, and, and all the while he's looking at us to save us. Can you imagine, just for a second, guys, put on your feet. Could you imagine if Jesus bought into what Peter was saying? You think, Pete? Yeah, yeah, let's, let's just go to Jerusalem and we'll just keep. So don't go to the cross? No, don't go to the cross, Lord. That's the, we're not going to suffer. I'll protect you. Okay. Sounds like a plan to me. I, I thought I was following in the Father's footsteps, but Pete, you must be right. Where would we be? The Lord had that. He had the cross and he had suffering in mind. And he says, this is where it is. So I believe that the, that the Lord Jesus lovingly, lovingly rebukes Peter. And then Mark tells us that he turns to the crowd. Notice what he says in verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples and the crowd, that's us, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, this is an amazing truth. Before we unpack this verse, let's learn really a, a great principle. You go, what's that? Well, notice that even though Peter had his own agenda, his own desire, nothing wrong with your desire, just make sure it lines up with God's desire. Okay? Even though he had that, here's what I want you to see. Even though he looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan, right? That would have freaked me out. I'm going to be like, I would have been so embarrassed. It's like, here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to see. He doesn't remove Peter nor take the keys away from him. Isn't that a great principle? You go, what do you mean? Could you imagine? Pete, give me the keys. I don't know what happened in Caesarea Philip. Pete, give me the keys. <laughs> go, go sit in the corner. He doesn't do that. And that's what I love about Jesus in your life. Because it, it may not, you may not be where you want to be with God right now, but the Lord's not going, would you stop, go, go sit in the corner, you're not worthy of anything. I mean, I don't think the Lord Jesus has called you Satan, you know, or, I mean, you get behind me, but there are times when we've messed up so bad that we feel so discredited in our lives that we feel like we're not worthy. And here's a great principle, you're worthy. You're worthy. Yeah, well, I've said some really harsh stuff. I've done some really dumb things. I've, I've really um, misrepresented God. That's all of us, guys. But I love that the Lord says, no, 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 no. I still have got a great plan for you. Just keep moving forward. So he turns to the disciples, and again, look what he says. Look what he says. If anyone wants to what? If anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Now, again, I love the fact that God is merciful, compassionate, and full of grace. But here's some application for us. You ready? Look, look at me. It's a lesson we all have to learn. You go, what's that? Lord, help us to see people the way you see them. Not so much as they are right now. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Why? 
Because if we had been there with Peter, we would have probably went, Pete, go, Pete. We would have taken the keys from Pete. Pete. <laughs> but Lord, the application is help us to see, help us to see them. You see what they can and will become. Isn't that a great application? But the Lord wants to go deeper. How so? If you've got a pencil handy, circle that word for deny. Because he says you need to deny. Deny. Okay? Here's what it means. To lay aside what you want for what he wants. That's what he's saying. Listen to what he says. And he said to the crowd, he said to Ben, he said to all of us here, if anyone desires, Lord, I desire to come after you, he goes, lay aside what you want for what he wants. Okay, I I can do that. I can do that. So the first step to discipleship, you guys ready, is a desire to follow Jesus. You go, amen. The second step is to deny what we want and submit our will to his life. Now, what I'm not saying is the desires God has given you um, for your life, he's going to just take them all away. Well, I want to be... God doesn't just do that. I see a group of teenagers in front of me, and, and, and God has given those desires to you. My brother Nathan might want to go and play basketball for the NBA. That's a desire God is. He's not going to go, no, you're not going to do that because... What he's going to do is he's going to take that desire and he's going to use it for the glory of God. When you submit, you go, Lord, I'll do this, and then... And then Do you see that? So so God's not going, here's your desire. No. He's going, let me take what your desire, but listen, here's my will. Put my will in front of that. And you go, all right, all right. And then the third step is what? To take up your cross and follow him. To take up your cross. What does that mean? It's crucifixion, guys. To take up your cross, to be his disciple means... You're going to the cross. It means death. Well, I don't want to die. Well, it's not a physical death, per se. It's the death of my pride, the death of my attitude, all of those things. Paul tells us that we need to crucify the flesh daily. Some of us have to crucify the flesh hourly. Some of you are rebuking your own self. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. <laughs> Get behind me. Urgh! Especially when you go to work. You know, it's like, I'm going to kill him. Get behind me. But what it really means, guys, is the death to our agenda and to follow the Lord. And so what God does is he, he, he sums it up in the next few verses. So we have a desire, we deny, and here's what we need to do. Notice verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And loses his soul. Now, let's stop right there. Well, let me go on. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's stop for just a moment. Sometimes in the world, you'll see people who have literally done this. It looks like they've gained the whole world. 
But at what price? At what price? So, in our world today, we have a lot of evil people. And when I say that, I say there are people who um, are not following the ways of God. And you can see that they're following the ways of Satan. You understand that, right? Your job as a Christian is to pray for them. Well, I don't want that person to get saved. He's evil. He's destroying our country. He's destroying their country. He's going to war, all of that. No, no, no. Our job is to pray. But here's where you can have peace. At what profit in eternity, where, is, where are these people going to be? You see, this life is this big compared to eternity. This big. That's where you and I have the attitude, I'd rather be the doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to have everything in this world and lose my soul. Jesus says, for the Son of Man, notice, will come in the glory of his Father and with angels, and then he will reward which is according to their works. Assuredly, I say to you, uh uh-oh, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the man come, the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to underline or highlight verse 28, because verse 28 has been a controversy for a lot of people. They go, wait, Jesus just said that nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. But they're all dead. Okay, do you guys want to know what it means? You have to come back next week. Because he explains it to us next week. He really does. So as we close, as we close, I want you to think about this. I want you to think, and I want to leave you with something to chew on, okay? Let me just go back really quick, okay? We know what taking up our cross is. It, it, it means death to our agenda, our attitudes, who we are, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we need to follow. We need to, we need to go to the cross. Lord, here I am. Here's my life. He says, if you'll do that, I'll give you your life back. You're going to have an abundant life. You'll have it better, far better than anyone else. That's why you got saved in the first place. You realized, man, even my life right now, psh, it's not great. I, I give it to the Lord. It's great. It's great. Okay? So we know what crucifixion is. We know that we have to hear the voice of God, and the voice of God will be lined up with the Scripture, with the Word of God. We'll need to follow the Word of God and not follow our own desires, even if our own desires are great. We have to be so careful, guys, because there have been many times in my life, not yours, you guys are great, but my life that I've counseled God. And God, if you'll just listen to me. Now, my desires, my desires need to line up with your desires, Lord. Lord, give me the desires of your heart. And then, last but not least, guys, what does he say? He says, whoever desires um, to save his life will lose it, but whoever desires to lose his life will, for my sake, find it. For what does it profit a man? What does it profit a man? Listen, who gains the world and loses his own soul. So let me leave you something to chew on. And I actually got this from Tamri, believe it or not. 
Tamri posted this on, on Facebook, and I thought, man, this fit right here. Listen to this. It says, don't worry. Um, when you die, don't worry about your body. Your relatives and the funeral staff will do it. I know this firsthand. I've done it myself. They will take you out of your house and deliver you to a funeral home of your family's choice. They will take off your clothes. They will wash you. They will dress you up. They will even apply makeup and make you look presentable. Many will come to the funeral to honor you. Some will even cancel their plans and ask for leave to go to your funeral. Your things, the things you hate to be borrowed, will be sold, donated, or burned. Your keys, your tools, your books, your CDs, your DVDs, your games, your collection, your clothes. And be sure the world won't stop and cry for you. The economy will continue. You will be replaced in work. Someone with the same or even better ability will take your place. Your property will be switched to heirs. And don't doubt the small things and the big things that you have done in your life will be spoken of, judged, doubted, and criticized. People who only knew your face will say, Ah, poor thing. Your good friends will cry for a few hours or several days, but they will laugh again. Your pets, well, they will get used to a new owner. Your pictures will be hanging on the wall for a while, then they will be put in furniture and finally stored at the bottom of a box. Some will sit, someone else will sit on your couch and eat from it. Deep pain in your home will last a year or two, maybe ten. Then you will join the memories of those and your story will end. It will end among people, end here, end in this world. But your story begins a new reality in your life after death. The things that you once have will lose their meaning. You cannot bring your earthly possessions here. Like what? The beauty of your body, your last name, property, loans, working position, bank account, the house, the car, academic titles, classmates, trophies, friends of the world, man, woman, kids, the family. In your new life, you will only need your soul. The only property that will last is your soul. The big question is, do you know where your soul is going after this life is over? Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to me except, come to the Father except by me. Isn't that the truth? What does it profit the man and loses his soul? Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. And we thank you for your great love. We thank you, Lord, that you're in control of all things. And Father, that is the truth. Lord, we give up our soul for many things. And it may not even be riches. It may simply be things. So my prayer here today, Lord, is when you exhort us, when you ask us, if anyone desires to follow you, that we would take up our cross, Lord, that's where we would be. Every one of us in this room would be ready to take up our cross. Ready to die to self and ready to, to die to our own agendas and what we think and what we don't think. And, and that we would follow and be obedient to the word of God. 
Lord, we've learned, God, that Bible study is a great thing, but it only produces knowledge. What we really want is true experience with you so that we would do the word of God and not just know it. So we thank you. We thank you that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and we know that one day, very soon, that we're going to hear the trumpet sound and we're going to go home to heaven. Forgive us of our sin, Lord, when we, like Peter, want our own agendas, want our own plans, that we miss exactly what you're saying. Forgive us, like Peter, Lord, when we, when we want to travel a little bit harder road than, than listening to you. Thank you for your word today. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave a service without giving anyone an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. You see, you might have come today and you said, you know what, I was listening to you and I was tracking with you and I got to be honest with you, Pastor, you said some things that uh, made me realize that I'm not right with God. You made me realize that I, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but... But today I want one. And you might be here this morning and God is knocking on your heart and he's speaking to you. And, and you often wonder and doubt, Lord, will I go to heaven? Am I good enough? Well, that's never been the answer. The answer is Jesus. And I'll, let me tell you another thing. With every eye closed and every bow, you might be here today and you might feel exactly like Peter where you have blown it so bad. But let me say this to you. You haven't blown it. God loves you. He has a plan for you. He has a place for you. He's ready to, he's not taking away the keys of the kingdom from you. That's grace. That's mercy. You go, well, what do I have to do, Ben? What do I have to do to be saved? Well, in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hand and say yes to him. It's the best decision you'll ever make. You go, Ben, what have I, what have I already done that? I'm already saved. And I say, praise God. Then keep walking. Be ready. Have a new mindset. But if you're not right with God, that's the first thing you need to do. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to Jesus once and for all. God bless you, sir. Would you lift up your hand? Would you just do that? Say, right now, once and for all, I want to be right with God. God bless you. Anyone else? Right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you're watching online and, and, and you're lifting up your hand, it, hey, man, God loves you. He's got a plan for you. If you lifted up your hand, man, I want you to, I want you to, I'm going to pray for you, and, and I want you to uh, just, um, just, just focus in on him. Let your heart just, just dwell on him. You go, how so? Well, the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess him as Lord, you'll be saved. And so that's what we're going to help you to do. Would you pray something like this? Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the Son of God. Everything I read in the Word, I believe it. I believe you died on the cross, a horrible, excruciating death for me. You see, Lord, I don't have to be crucified because you were for me. And so I'm asking you now to forgive me to come into my heart and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. 
I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Here's what happened. The Lord Jesus came in. He forgave you of your sin. He's going to fill you with his spirit. Now you need to believe it. You need to believe it. You go, well, how do I believe it? Well, then read the, read the book of 1 John because that's what gives you assurance of salvation. It's a great day when you are saved. It's a great day. Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.